0: On Solos, first the Steelman, Tagbeck, and yet the lived
1: in Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figures. The
0: Empire strikes back turns the Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Archivecast. Newest news
1: on
2: oldest toys, from bubble bath to belt buckles. 12 Packs to 2 Packs, New spots, Alien Bounty Hunter, Thunder, Thunder,
1: Thunder, 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 Star Wars collection.
2: What, Jack? What, Vader? What,
0: <laughs> We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia <laughs>
1: alive
0: with the formative features and personal collecting scores. Offer expires December 31st,
1: 1979. No, no, no. And our 2 d San Francisco. The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought
0: to you by the Star Wars Collector's Archive, the SWCA.com. Featuring your host, Sky Payne, Even Kevaku. 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 this week's co-host,
1: Stephen B. Danley. I've got you now, Ben Kenobi. Star Wars Early Bird Certificate Package, new from Kenner. Kenner's Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. Wampa Wampa,
2: everybody. Welcome to the second KyveCast.
0: Yeah, second KyveCast. I'm your host, uh, Sky Payne, and with me again this month is my co-host... Stephen B. Danley. He's still Danley, maybe a little less silent this time. (laughs) We've been very excited, lots of good feedback from the first podcast. Uh, It was announced on TheForce.net, on Rebelscum.com, thanks to Dustin Roberts for that. It was even on the official StarWars.com blog, uh, which was thanks to Pete Vilmer who wrote the, among other things, he wrote the Star Wars poster book, which... Have you read that, Steve?
2: Uh, I've looked at it. I don't own it, but it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, you should go out and buy it. That yeah. book is amazing. I
0: mean, it's just... That's one book you can always show just about anybody. It doesn't matter how much I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And like thumbing through that. But uh, we've got a lot of feedback. We'll get to that in, in the feedback uh, section. There's one thing that we got a lot of, Steve. It's too quiet. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we promised to be at least five
2: percent louder steve maybe maybe five seven eight i don't know
1: it, we,
0: get, we got a lot of calls it was like i had my ipod up to 10 and then i had both earplugs in and i had sound neutralizing earmuffs and the whole thing and it just anyways <laughs> as i said it, it's a growing process um we had a little bit of feedback on the actual content of the episode uh famous uh what do I call him? A benevolent grump of the Star Wars community, <laughs> John Alvarez. Uh, he claims that C-3PO underroos are only for girls. But, <laughs> Steve, I mean, you see, I mean, I wear them. It's, it's a two-piece, but, I mean. I mean, I, I pull it off, right?
2: I think, I don't know if I can answer that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll leave that up to other people to All answer. All right,
0: well, I pull it off Official, <laughs> official CadCast gear. Uh, he also informs us that uh, we were asking what, what tweak was. It turns out that Muffet or Daggett is from Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> which is further proof that I don't care how many sexy robots and red dresses they have; it's lame. And uh, that Tweaky was from Buck Rogers, <laughs> and Buck Rogers is, of course, cool. Uh, I've got my Emperor cup from Burger King, 1983. As always, uh, Steve's got a different one. He's got, got the the, uh, the Sarlacc.
2: Before it had a beak.
0: Yeah, the Sarlacc before it had a beak. And then this really, really frustrates me. If you look at Han,
2: it's actually. That's, wow, that doesn't make much sense, does it?
0: Yeah, it's Han from the Endor bunker. And then when you actually read the text, you see We're, the text, it says here Han Solo takes aim with his laser pistol while Luke Skywalker brandishes his Jedi lightsaber above the Sarlacc pit. But the picture is so clearly from Endor. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so inaccurate. But anyways, we uh, we got it going here, so let's uh, wamp on to the news. Unless you got anything else uh, to set up. Sounds good, man. All right, let's hear the news. News Watch out!
1: It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. News from Kenner. Here's the news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. News from Kenner. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. New, 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 Kenner. Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's
0: news. So the the first piece of news is actually a follow-up to last month's news. It's ripped from the headlines, Steve. <laughs> Straight from the cover of Toy Fair. Exactly. I am uh, pleased and ashamed to announce that I've had a subscription to Toy Fair magazine for the past, I don't know, ten years. Actually, I just recently, um, I've been recycling them all, tearing out the little Toy Fair theaters. But uh, I get get Toy Fair every month. I don't buy any new toys, but I just like looking at pictures. And who do you think is on the very cover
2: of Toy Fair? None other than the new rocket-firing Boba
0: Fett. That's right. A vintage figure on the cover of Toy Fair. The pulse of toy collecting. So, like I said, you know the reason that I love this new vintage wave is that it's keeping vintage relevant. And the article, I gotta say, it's pretty good. Uh, We looked through it; it's all pretty basic stuff that if you're a collector, you 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 know it. But it goes into good detail, as you hear me flipping through here. I guess I could have dog-eared the page. (laughs) Uh, It's a collector's issue, you know. Everything with FET is worth twenty percent more. But uh, it goes all into the difference between a, a J slot and an L slot, and it explains the history of it. And uh, it's written by Ethan K. So, never heard of him, but it uh, seems to be a pretty good writer. So if I were you, I would go out to the bookstore, you know, Borders or uh, something local, you know, like Chaucer's book here in Santa Barbara, uh, and just go out and get yourself a copy. And uh, Or just sit there and, you know, read it uh, read it in the corner. put it right back. Yeah, put it right back. <laughs> if you have to rip open cellophane, we, we don't advise that. But it's really cool, you know, vintage is relevant. And then what we try to do is we try and find things that are really cool and interesting on the, on the vintage forums. And there's two discussions that uh, seem pretty linked, and we're going to talk about them now. One discussion is about hobby politics. And this has uh, created a lot of debate, a lot of uh, contention about whether they're good or bad. And right. then the second thread is all about karma and about collecting karma. And uh, we'll get to how they're linked. But first, Steve, why don't you uh, resume a little bit the idea of the uh, of the hobby politics discussion. Make sure you're talking to the mic or else people yeah, are going to yeah. get mad at us. Yeah, I'm here. Right, because what does it mean, Mean you know, hobby right. politics, and you don't vote for a president of the right, hobby. Right,
2: right. <laughs> when I think about it, it's it's more about you know competition for certain items or connections and sharing information and... Uh, for newer collectors feeling excluded or not. And it's all about just relationships between collectors and whether or not there really is this tier structure and how it works. Um, Right, like
0: I remember when I started out and people knew who I was and they liked me well enough but I wasn't known as the Chewbacca guy or even a Chewbacca guy. I was just some guy who bought a lot of Chewbaccas. (laughs) I I didn't make my inroads so if there's anything that was sold, it was usually sold in between friends because they have all the good stuff. And I was jealous, but I wasn't really angry. Um, but now that I'm at a different phase and I know people and I've known them for years and, you know, if Steve stumbles across something Chewbacca-related, hopefully he'll give it to me. You know, and that's politics. <laughs> but, you know, what's another word for this, these kind of politics, Steve? Um, let's see. What, 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 I was looking for friendship. Friendship. There, there you, you go. go.
1: That, that's <laughs> a, a positive word. That, a that's positive good. word for
0: friendship. Yeah. So that's – but that's the other side. But there is – it is true. It's hard to break into and you've got to be patient
2: and uh, – it's yes, all I, about attitude. Um, I think as long as you just have an open attitude and um, a willingness to, to learn and listen, um, I think it really goes a long way.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think when I was at that – you have to excuse if you hear uh, my daughter screaming in the back. It's uh, <laughs> not such a sweet bedtime, but uh, when, when I was starting out and I didn't know anybody, there was a whole bunch of proofs on eBay – And I didn't know anybody, and I I got them all. I I got like three or four proofs all at once. And there was three or four people that I know very well now who had all agreed how much they were going to bid because they didn't want to run up the price. So I came in out of nowhere. I got them all, (laughs) and that was a benefit to not being connected right? because they were like, who is this jerk? (laughs) But now I'd have to make the agreement, and who knows how it would end. So how do we bring this idea of hobby politics – To this good karma thread. I think the hobby politics brings out the idea that perhaps there's something kind of, I don't know, selfish about the hobby or people feel excluded and they feel kind of left out of the loop. And this whole good karma story actually shows the opposite side. It shows the selflessness of our hobby and I think of human beings in general. Yeah, for sure. Now, what I'm referring to uh, is a thread here that was posted on the 11th of March, 2010 by the... Excellently named Nerf Herder. (laughs) I don't know if he's scruffy looking. Um, So uh, he posted here, quote: On Tuesday, while I was at work, my house was broken into, and they took 43 of my loose vintage figures, including many I had as a child. I have had the complete set, but they did not take all the P.O.T.F. nor the Blue Snag. Of the P.O.T.F., they took Luke Stormtrooper, R2 Pop-Up, Lando General, Han Carbonite, Warwick—not Warwick—and Anakin. The only other things they took was my Master replica Blasters and my laptop. You love that. It is. (laughs) And my laptop. Everything else, it's like they took my Warwick. Oh, yeah, and also my laptop. Uh, (laughs) So I'm asking the Good Collector community if anyone sees an influx or a lot, please let me know. So that was his post. And all he was asking was if you see all these things being sold in once along with a laptop and a couple of replica Blasters... Let us know, but what wound up happening, Steve? You, you know, up,
2: yeah, it ended up happening is a lot of people kind of came together and started creating a list of the stuff that he was missing, and um, you know, putting themselves down to send him replacements, which which is just awesome. I mean,
0: yeah, they'd send him complete figures with blasters and
2: right, and the whole you know, uh, it's the whole teamwork thing. I mean, people like didn't have a certain weapon, so they say, well, I have this weapon, I'll send that. I mean, it's just it just completely. Kind of shatters that whole selfishness idea in some some ways, I mean just
0: right, I mean it, because this is you know real money, real valuable things that people passed up, and people send it all along, and you'll see in the show notes you'll see a picture of his collection, and he obviously cares a lot about his collection, i mean not just childhood figures which are irreplaceable right right, but also I mean this was his collection you know that's a, it's a real personal feeling, and that's a very hard thing I and mean, everyone thinks about what would happen if they got robbed. And uh, I just think that that shows the other side. So when we talk about hobby politics, you know, Nerf Herder is 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 proof that it's good to be out there. It's good to talk to people. It's good to know people, and uh, it's good to have friends. For sure. So and if you want to, I will include a link there too. You can see all the nice people who sent figures. Um, I don't think he needed a Chew. Well, someone else
2: already sent him a Chewbacca. That's all oh, I okay. have. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you want uh, some kind of horrific. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi with a yeah, pounce.
2: I've, <laughs> I've got some really horrific-looking yeah. versions of these. I doubt he would really want them, but, yeah, I mean, he, if, if he did, I would gladly send them along. <laughs> yeah,
0: if you want, like, uh, an Ugnot that's been mated with an ATAT driver, you can right, just... Right, uh... exactly. <laughs> Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our, our feel-good story uh, of the month. Uh, let's move on to the, I guess, the site of the show. Um, and that's the, uh, it's the restart of the SW Database. Right, and the link for that uh, it's www.starwarsdatabase.be.
2: That be is for Belgium. So you ever been to Belgium, Steve? Um, actually, I stopped for maybe a half hour on a train. Yeah, it's it was interesting. That's good. Yeah, I've been to to Brussels and Ghent. Yeah, it was Brussels. Uh, yeah.
0: I got lost
2: in the in the train station. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs>
0: I went to Ghent to see their altarpiece. That was uh, that was exciting. Anyways, and and Bruges, but that was before it uh, yeah, came cool to go right, to Bruges. Right. <laughs> but uh, so this website, StarWarsDatabase.be, is started by a guy named Cole Parr, and uh, he used to have one of the finest collections of proofs in the world. Uh, he sold it off, but what's nice is, and kind of like what we're doing here, is he created something for the hobby that's uh, not based on money. And you want to give a little description of what it is? to you? Yeah,
2: sure. Um, he's basically he's got a whole uh, system set up for each figure, each uh, vehicle uh, creature, anything like that, where each page or each thing has its own full page with all the uh, packaging variations, loose variations prototypes, basically anything related to that figure um, in picture form, which is awesome it 's great to have a visual guide
0: right you can just uh, for example, you know we click on Han Solo here. So there's a description of the first known packaging, 12 back, and the variations. It's in French, too, which is great for a French teacher. <laughs> then you have figural prototypes. So it shows the first shots and hard copies that come from all over the place. I'm not sure
2: there's actually a hard copy here. I think they meant they're both first shots.
0: Yeah, okay, they're all first shots. Um, and then all the accessories, the uh, different variations. Then you have the original photo art that, that exists. That's really cool. And it comes from all different sources. It comes from dealers, different collectors. A whole proof run is here. All the production carded variations, all the Canadian variations, the Belgian variations, Brazilian, the whole thing. Uh, even miscards, and it's it's all in one place. And it's really just a. I think it's just an excellent uh, an excellent idea. And and he's building it. And if if you haven't contributed to it, and you can, you really should because yeah. it's it's like a wiki basically, but it's for. Uh, Vintage and modern Star Wars figures. Right. And I just want to give a little bit of extra publicity for that, uh, although hopefully he won't need it because it's just a a wonderful idea. So once again, that's StarWarsDatabase.be, and uh, that's the the site of the month. So this has also been a big month, not so much for Star Wars collecting. Uh, We'll get into famous auctions later, but it's been a really big month for Sci-fi and fantasy and just generally nerd collecting in general. (laughs) That was the word I was looking for. (laughs) Yeah, nerd (laughs) collecting. A carefully chosen word. (laughs) Only a wordsmith such as myself could find a a (laughs) word like nerd. Um, Have you heard about the word? uh, There have been three auctions of particular note. Uh, Two comic book auctions and one video game auction. So there's uh, one Action Comics number one. What did it sell for, uh, Dr. Uh (laughs) Evil? One million dollars. One million dollars. Okay, so a comic book. Okay, we're talking about a comic book here. Released what, nineteen
2: thirty-eight? Is that right? Nineteen thirty-eight. Originally for ten cents a piece.
0: Yeah, ten cents. I don't. I'm not really good at math. What, what would be the markup on that? Oh my like god. Ten times its original value. Something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just an, really an amazing, amazing sale. The the what was the, the highest one that it sold previously was uh, I
2: think there was around 300000 317000 Right. So this one sold for... About three times as three, much. Three, times, three as much. times as much. And yeah. when you're dealing
0: in the hundreds of thousands of dollars... That's very considerable. And then you thought, oh, wow, well, that's never going to happen again. That's absolutely unheard of. What happened, like, less than a week later?
2: Uh, well, then, that's actually, there's a quote from the article about that Superman sale, um, and I, I, I thought this really was relevant. Hmm. The guy says, An Action Comics number 1, graded 8 or higher, is priced about 25% higher than a comparable Detective Comics number 27, which is exactly what's sold a couple of days <laughs> later. For one million seventy-five thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! So this is like some really rich Batman fan was like, "No, I think that Batman is better than
0: Superman." <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly,
0: honestly. which is which I would do if I was if I had that much money. I'd be annoyed. Like, man, Batman is cool than Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and Battlestar Galactica still stinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So this this created a lot of a lot in the nerd collecting fandom. This created a lot of very interesting discussion. And it made you reevaluate, you know, what do we collect and what is it worth? And then just when you thought there could be no more craziness, a video game. Yep. Okay, not a million dollars, but what do the video games sell for, Steve? $41,300. $41,000 $41, for Stadium a, Events. Stadium Events, which I do love I do love that name. It's, it is pretty <laughs> cool, actually. <laughs> you can just read anything you want to in it. It could be. <laughs> Baseball, basketball, football, track and field, Led Zeppelin concerts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Van Halen, whatever. Um, when was that even released? It must have been... Uh, it was 1988, I think. 1988. So it's not even... Uh, so this is what, 20, 22, 22 years, years old. Yeah, 22 years old. So yeah, it's very rare. And I guess there's only, what, 20 thought to exist. Right. Something like that. So that, that prompts the question, so what is the number one selling production item because i mean if we're talking about pre-production obviously some kind of rocket fat or original art fat or a lot of high sales in the pre-production one-of-a-kind type items but this isn't what we're dealing with here i mean there's there are original drawings from comic books that routinely sell multiple thousands of dollars but this is actual production comic book production video game that sell for this much so that raised what is perhaps the most exciting thing to happen ...for vintage collectors in the month of, of uh, late February, early March. <laughs> and what was that, Steve? That's what showed the, up on uh, eBay out of nowhere?
2: Out of nowhere, the Meccano, a vinyl cape Jawa 12-back. So, and yeah, it disappeared.
0: It just <laughs> disappeared, and the the seller actually called it a plastic cape. Right. So uh, so the, the importance of this, there's kind of a funny thing where the 20-back Jawa is everywhere. They found cases upon cases of it. So... Uh, Meccano being the French licensor of Star Wars toys in France. So they're very rare. It's very hard to find anything by Meccano except for cloth cape Jawas in the 20-back form. It was released on a square hmm. card. right? But somehow, no one has ever found a sealed 12-back example with the vinyl cape. So this showed up on eBay. Some guy had a very – it seemed fishy to me. It was really story. A, a weird – story and description. Yeah, I can I can read you uh, get some I land. can I can read the actual eBay auction. So this has a lot of warning signs, Steve. What's the number one warning sign?
2: Uh, well, the, f- the first thing, I, I, the whole trip to France thing, that was one thing that caught my mind. But... E-
0: exactly. Who goes to France, buys a sealed toy, comes back, and doesn't open it up? Right? right. It's possible. It happens. But most most of the scams that are out there, it's always something – little. there's a little leap of faith you have to take. Um, and the fact that he said rectangle – that's neither here nor there. And then he got a lot of offers. He got flooded with offers. And uh, he, he comments here. Uh, he reiterates his initial things and he says, I've been asked to put a buy it now price and I'm considering it. The, requ- the request were for uh, – Steve, I can't even read English that bad. The request were for 2000 3500 4000 and now $10,000. i am doing this so everyone knows what is going on. I don't like that Steve. That's, that's very strange. Yeah, that that really bunches my underoos to, to, to <laughs> say like, oh, this is what it'll cause what he's really saying is what is it gonna cost to buy me out? And he's right. trying to because when anyone puts up something on eBay, people bombard them with with buyout offers. So what happened? It just Disappeared, And we're going to have pictures forever and ever up on the archive. I've already downloaded them. It is uh, there. It will be there. <laughs> it are, will be there. Take a look. And Stéphane Foucault, the the writer of the Meccano Trilogo book, I would say the number one expert on Meccano figures, he he looked at the pictures and he seemed to think it was real. Um, he's he's He has seen examples like this with open bubbles, and he would say that it was probably the real thing. I asked him, he said it would... Probably hit around ten thousand euros, but if you look at the uh, canceled bids, uh, it actually well before we get to the canceled bids, so it just disappeared. Okay, so just it's no longer on eBay, and this always happens with the coolest Star Wars stuff. You think, oh, here's a complete lot of Lily Ladies for sale all at once. Okay, it disappeared, and the reason why is he must have sold it off of eBay. But the last canceled bid was as high as twenty thousand. And one collector, Steve, was saying he was going to. He how
2: much? Uh, Thirty thousand.
0: Thirty thousand. Yeah. He said he was going to offer. And who knows? I mean, if this is a one of a kind, I mean, it can't be one of a kind. They obviously made fifty of them, a hundred of them, a thousand of them. <laughs> but if it's the only one existing,
2: yeah,
0: still. So potentially. Star Wars saw its own version of stadium events uh, happen <laughs> this month, but we don't know. Uh, if you do know, call our number. one wampa Breaking news. Since Steve and I recorded the podcast, uh, Star Wars Houston on the Rebel Scum boards has come out and shown pictures. He says that uh, it is indeed real and that his friend Tim Sanders... Bought it and has it up in his house. So good for him and good for the hobby. Now, if we only knew how much it sold for.
1: Um,
0: See, so should we move into the couple limelights? Steve? Yeah, know? let's do that. All right. So last month we focused a lot on limelights, uh, noteworthy limelights, limelights, limelights. Um, <laughs> again, if you uh, if you weren't here last last month, limelights are a feature of a noteworthy uh, collection that was put on the. Uh, Rebel Scum Forums, and last time we did only proofs, and we had three stair lights. And so I've tried to group a couple uh, limelights together again, and here I'd like to put together, um, I think we're going to do two runs, Um, the Small World Limelight and a Canadian Limelight. Um, The first is from, and he he sent me an email about how to pronounce it, Darth Berezane. Okay. So, no. yeah. His name's John, right? His name's John. Okay. But I think he prefers in life to be called Darth Bearizing. Okay. Goes down to the bank. It says it on his ATM card. <laughs> Darth Bearizing. So he posted this limelight called, uh, I love the name of it. I, yeah. I have to get it. My It's a Small World MOC Focus. So Mint on Card Focus. And uh, he was actually nice enough to send me an updated version. Uh, he was, oh, cool. He was happy that... Uh, that we we're going to feature it on the Kivecast. So he sent me an updated version, and this will be the picture that will be on the show notes. So in it, let's see what he has here. So from on the, the top row, on the top left, he has an emp- uh, Emperor's Royal Guard from what country? That's a Letty from Mexico. Isn't it? Right, so yeah. em- Emperor's Royal Guard from Mexico. Then to the right... we got the Jawa right? um, from France. Right. Right. The famous <laughs> cloth cape Jawa, not <laughs> right. the $30,000 one. No. And then, uh, can, and then on the far left, middle row, he has an R2-D2 from... That's the Brazilian... Right?
2: Brazil. Uh, we had a debate about how you pronounce that. that right. Uh... <laughs> what did we come up with? I'm what? going with glazed light. That works. Okay, yeah. and then the middle uh,
0: looks like a Snaggletooth from Spain. And then all the way over on the right in the middle, you have uh, Darth Vader from... Italia. Yeah, that's right, from Italy, Darth Fainer, as he's called on the card back. <laughs> Love that. Uh, I have another Lily Lady in the bottom left with the Princess Leia in her combat poncho. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, at C five uh, we may be handing out combat
2: ponchos for everybody because
0: uh, <laughs> it's the only poncho you can have in combat.
2: And you never know when you're in Florida in the middle of August, you're bound to run into some rain. That's yeah. right. It
0: rains like at the same time every day, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna have our we're gonna hook we're gonna up be the combat totally prepared. ponchos. That's how you yeah. know if you're cool with the <laughs> Uh And then you got two takaras, uh, which are Japanese. Two Takara, 12 backs. you got Princess Leia and then C-3PO. And then the final one, the far right, what's that, Steve? Is that the, the Toll Toys or Top Toys? Yeah, that's Th- the Top, top toys. toys. There we go. Yeah. So,
2: from Argentina.
0: Yeah, Top Toys from Argentina. So here we have... How many countries is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Uh, seven. Or seven. Seven countries. Okay. So this is just it's just great. I mean, why not? You know, Why not as a focus? It's not based on the character and it represents everything that I love about vintage, the the, the, the wide – because they're all different card fronts. You can tell the small differences, say, between a Spanish version and an Argentinian version. And then the drastic differences with the Brazilian and the Italian, which has Guerra Stellari written in Italian. <laughs> I just I don't know, I really like the spirit of this. Team. Yeah. What, the, what do you feel?
2: I, the same thing for me. I like a lot of times you'll see runs like this for a particular character, which is really you know amazing in its own. But I I, I you don't really see it with all these different characters like this. It just it's really got an awesome variety. So.
0: Yeah. And the other thing too, this gives a lot of possibilities for upgrading and building because if you have a focus a really strict focus, you can't trade things away. Right. But say. He really, you know, he really he sees something that he needs. Uh, maybe a German one, and he can trade one of his Takaras for a German that he needs because he's not married to that. He's married to the idea of having this small world limelight, right? So uh, I just like it. I, I look forward to seeing it grow, and uh, I just again, it's to me, it's just as enjoyable to look at that as it is to look at the at the proof runs because yeah. it, it shows a certain spirit of the collecting, and then continuing. Uh, one thing he doesn't have here is something right. from the the Great White North, uh, <laughs> Canada, which uh, has you know most recently had a wonderful triumph in uh, in hockey, oh, yeah. and uh, up there in the Great White North, uh, there's a collector. I'm not sure if his name is Rick. It might be. His name on the boards is Eclectic71, and he's from uh, Montreal. He's from Montreal, <laughs> and uh, he. he He's a Francophone, uh, but yet he writes uh, very good English. And he put this uh, Canadian limelight. So where John uh, Darth Berezing had all over the country, all over the world, we have someone who focuses just on one country. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, why don't you describe his, his, the Canadian limelight?
2: I was looking through his, his albums, and he's got stuff going, I think, you know, straight from the beginning, um, from the, just the Star Wars run, all the way through, he has through Jedi... Right. And um, I think probably my favorite was one of the first pictures. He just has, kind of going back to last time, with the, the original 12 um, with uh, it's the header, the, the bin header on top.
0: Right, the store display.
2: Yeah, the store display. And um, it's just...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really impressive, you know, and he... he calls it a complete run and as far as i can tell it is it's and he, he has,
2: has he has every character on a canadian card that that's what he has right it's right but i believe he has them from their debut, are they all movie. debut? Oh, okay. okay I say debut card back the right. debut movie right so that's many many
0: figures and again it's uh it's not someone i don't see him post that often and i i didn't know he was no. putting together this run but but here he was and he's able to just kind of drop it on everybody and again it shows this really awesome uh just the spirit, I think, of 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 completion, but also the, the international flavor. All right, so we're going to have a new feature now. I'm not going to come up with a sound drop, but it's the feature. <laughs> so every <laughs> once in a while, in your travels and vintage collecting, you just pick up lots of crazy stuff. And, uh, well, this is a very good example of that. At the California Collectors Meeting, uh, the last one in L.A., a uh, uh, friend, Mark, he sold me the Dynamite Magazine. So Dynamite Magazine was a youth-oriented... I think it was for teenagers or... Yeah,
2: it's kids, teenagers, young, youth, youth. It's all
0: right. about getting youth. Right, getting youth. So it's Dynamite Magazine. And, of course, I have it because it has my, my hero, my absolute idol, the thing that I care about more than anything in the world, Sean Cassidy.
2: <laughs> and
0: right next to him is Chewbacca. And... uh I don't really know who Sean Cassidy is. I've got to be honest. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, you, you shouldn't because you're 12 years old. But I, I should probably know who he is. I think he was a singer. He's probably on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but uh, if you love Sean Cassidy, feel free to, to yell at me, uh, 877-77-WAMPA. But uh, I assume he's some kind of teen idol. Whatever he is, he was the, the top star of the year along with Star Wars. And I just wanted to – I opened this up and looked at it for the first time. And these things are really cool. You know, this is not figural. This is not valuable. But it's really, it shows the value of just picking up old stuff and why not. Because if you look look on the inside, uh, he explains the sequel that uh, George Lucas wrote in 1978. He says, and I quote here, "...one idea Lucas suggests for a sequel would be the story of the mystical Jedi Knights and how they would come to possess the Force." This movie would feature Ben Kenobi, Luke Skywalker's father, and Darth Vader as young knights. (laughs) And he goes on to say that Ben almost kills Vader. He falls into a volcanic pit and gets fried, leaving his face horribly disfigured. So, kind of... It was way before the prequels, and I thought that that whole idea wasn't introduced until later. I didn't know it was introduced I, yeah, so early. Yeah,
2: same, same for me.
0: <laughs> and then they very excited. For me, they, they mentioned how Wookiees would be in the third movie, and there would be a, a big war between the Wookiees and the Empire <laughs> before they become Ewoks. But, uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. But So that's my uh, random thing lying around uh, special for the week, Star
2: Wars and Sean Cassidy. You know, one thing I have to say it's sad about that poor picture. I was reading about this... He's not even really there, Chewbacca. He's he's uh he's airbrushed in. He, they have an airbrushed paw around around his shoulder, so it's just yeah, yeah
0: it's not even yeah. I mean, Peter he wasn't even there. You know, I actually
2: that'd be really good original art to have. The yeah, Sean Cassidy, the Sean Cassidy Chewbacca photo art. Yeah, I'm I am
0: I'm paying good money for that. So, <laughs> so anyways, that's the, you can check out the cover on our show notes. So, uh, let's move on to the next, uh, Nugget from the Archive. Tis a nugget from the Archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. From the Archive. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. So this, uh, month's Nugget from the Archive, uh, again, was featured on the show notes. And it is called the Emperor's Throne Concept Mockup. However, uh, I spoke to the owner of the piece and the person who wrote the article, and he says that's actually not the best name, but we're going to get into that. Uh, The article was written by, and the piece is owned by, Chris Jorgulius. And uh, his name is one of the great mysteries of Star Wars collecting. (laughs) I've only ever heard it said once. Actually, yeah. I'd... In six years. Yeah. And I mean, I know people who must be his best friend. You know, I mean, you meet him, but everyone just calls him Chris G. Chris G. But, I, you know, we're going to, you know, in honor of uh, this archive podcast and being affiliated with the archive, the honor of being affiliated with it, we are going to propagate the proper pronunciation. Georgulius. Can you say it?
2: Jorgulius? There, there we go. go.
0: Now, if I said it wrong this time, I'm really boned. But <laughs> anyways, so I was talking with uh, Chris Jorgulius about this piece and uh, what it is to give a A brief description, it's the emperor, and he's sitting in his throne. Now, that may not seem like very much, but if you remember, in the vintage era, there was no throne with the emperor. It was just the emperor and a cane. That's how badass he was. All he needed was a cane. (laughs) He didn't have a lightsaber back then. Anyways, uh, the description on the archive says, The throne is constructed of balsa wood and styrofoam, is totally handmade and hand-painted. It is glued onto a grey felt-covered base that has a clear plastic stand affixed. It is crudely made and painted, but many toy mock-ups are made in a similar fashion with similar materials. The figure is glued to the seat, and the throne does not turn on its base. So it's not uh, bolted to the floor uh, like (laughs) like it is. But then what, what purpose did this thing serve, Steve?
2: Oh, uh, it looks like with the picture we got here, it was used, um, it's kind of like a centerpiece for the Toy Fair for the, it was the last, for the 79 back figures, or 84, or was that 84? So Toy Fair being the big event every year in
0: New York City, where everyone gets together and shows, uh, shows their toys for the upcoming year, so if you look at the show notes, you'll see they create this beautiful throne room set up, with the spider web behind the emperor, all the figures are set up. If you actually see one of the figures, is the emperor right? You, know, you look right, right there. He, on he's the, in like,
2: that little uh, that little platform with the other figures. Yeah, he came out at the same time. Yeah, he's in the the
0: center left platform. So this emperor serves as the centerpiece to this entire design, and it's just great. It's a wonderful I you know view into what could have been. Um, Chris mentions that uh, that he doesn't even necessarily think. That it would have actually been
2: uh, a part very of the toy line, right? Right,
0: a very good part of a toy line. Um, as he says, I don't know uh, what uh, t- what uh, play value a toy like this would have. But then he notes that in 1997 they they made an Emperor on his throne for the POTF two Jedi Final Duel uh, three pack, okay. which I even have. I mean, because I love that scene so much, it always bugged me. That it didn't exist. <laughs> so yeah, so it was created, yeah, for the 1984 Toy Fair. And uh, when we were talked when I talked to him about it, I asked him if any of the other figures had been saved. And he said, maybe they had been. Most of them are probably production figures. Mm. Uh, some of them might have been hard copies that were used for photo samples. Um, some very interesting prototypes were among that. Uh, these all came from a single source, uh, someone who worked for Kenner at the Toy Fair at the time so it 's interesting because in this email with him, he says that he really wants to change the name uh, that he doesn 't think it was a toy concept, but that it was really just just used for display hmm. and I think that 's very interesting because yeah. if this was towards the end of the line, maybe i don 't know maybe they felt that it needed a little extra push or uh, yeah it's it's like it 's more like ornamental than than anything it 's really cool i mean yeah it 's ornamental that that 's a really good way to call it, and one of the pictures uh but you'll see I don't know I won't put it in the show notes but you can look at it uh, if you follow the links to it it shows this guy with the, he looks like Matt Damon from The Informant uh, <laughs> and he's like dressing up this bust of Chewbacca and I don't know what he's doing it deserves a caption if you have a really good caption actually why don't you send it in podcast at swca.com because uh, it provides another angle of this uh, really great display so that's the nugget from the archive I'd never seen it before I didn't know it existed yeah, I didn't either now, I have, as as you can tell, from my uh, Emperor Cup, I have a soft spot for the for the Emperor, but uh, that was just a beautiful piece. And thanks to Chris Jorgulius for uh, sharing it with us. And just one more thing about his name: the the folks on the on the Forcecast had to say his name once, and that's where I swore to myself I would learn how to pronounce it. Ah. I don't even I don't even know how they it was like. Jared Gugailoyos. It was just, it was comically bad. Oh boy. Anyways, (laughs) so thanks to him for that and uh, everyone go check it out. uh, Check out the link and check out the show notes. Yeah. Playing a little bit of ABBA, Steve. You know where we're playing ABBA? We're going to Sweden. We're going to Sweden. It's (laughs) actually, uh, ABBA was just admitted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, They may belong in a Hall of Fame. I don't know if rock and roll was the right one. But uh, we're going to Sweden, and partly in honor of ABBA, and partly in honor of uh, our following guest. This is the first stop on the Vintage World Tour. Uh, In honor, Steve and I are actually uh, drinking Swedish Akavit. I've got Brannvin. Yeah, he's got Brannvin, and I've got Flöder. Falkenberg, uh, made by Hollands, some kind of, I don't know, boysenberry uh, liqueur, I don't know what it is, but uh, we're in a Swedish mood here today, and uh, before we get to the actual interview, the pre-recorded interview with Matthias, I just want to say a little bit about him. Uh, First of all, it was really nice of him to offer to spend the time to Skype interview with me, the nine hour time difference uh, was a little bit harder for him than it was for me. Uh, he's he's a designer, and I think he's a really good example of how you can. You know, he's a he's a commercial designer. He, de- he designs advertising, and he's able to take that skill and bring it into the hobby. So he designed Gus and Duncan's Price Guide. Um, he designed uh, the uh, medallions for the Celebration uh, Europe uh, medals, which was based on uh, Jeff's artwork. He designed the Celebration Japan medals, the French. Uh, Re- Reunion de Boba Fett medallion, and uh, on top of that, you know, he's just been a panel presenter, and he's uh, at Celebration Four and Celebration Europe. He, I make reference to it in the interview a few times. He appears on the cover of a magazine, which I will put in the show notes, called Samlar Galleri, <laughs> and it's a Swedish collecting magazine, and he represents uh, Star Wars collecting for the entire, uh, entire, entire country. And what's, what's really neat, actually, if you look at the cover of the Dynamite magazine with uh, uh, Chewbacca and Sean Cassidy, and then the Stormtrooper with Matthias, there's a, a kind of visual echo, which I find pleasing anyways. <laughs> so uh, anyways, without further clatu, uh let's listen to the interview uh, with Matthias Randall on the Vintage World Tour.
3: Oh, I'm afraid you'll make them. J'ai bien... Boom. The deflector sheet, the
2: scuba deflector, the crown of protection mm.
3: will be quite operational
0: Welcome, everybody, to the first stop on the Vintage World Tour. I'm here with Matthias. Hi, everyone. What, is, what are Swedish Star Wars collectibles? Uh you know, for instance, when was it released in Sweden? Was it released at the same time as in America?
3: Yeah, at least the su- same year. It was released in December, 77. Uh, uh, took, took some uh, month to get it translated uh, for, for the subtitling. Uh, okay, so-, so in December, the same year.
0: Okay, so it was subtitled. Was it ever dubbed?
3: Never, thank God. Uh, wow. Sweden has never uh, dubbed any movies at all. Wow. Only subtitling.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Because that's well, you you as our listeners no doubt note you speak very you speak English very well. So maybe that's part of the
3: reason. Uh, you, you,
0: you had to watch Star Wars in English if you were going to understand it.
3: I had to. <laughs> exactly. It became a great success movie wise, not collecting wise or or toy wise until years later. Right. Is- uh, but but the movies what was fantastic and. Uh, made sales records all the time.
0: Well, I noticed that the uh at least in the Star Wars Insider article it mentions that perhaps the first truly Swedish collectible uh, in the Star Wars era is it was the poster. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's Star Krieg?
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Farnornas Krieg. It's it's literally translated so it's uh The War of the Stars the War Star the stars. Wars. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then what what sets the Swedish poster apart from its uh, American version?
3: Well, it's quite a unique poster uh, worldwide, actually, because it's the only uh, A-sheet which features Shue and Han Solo. I like Uh, that. Yeah, (laughs) I bet you do. Uh, And it's it's a cut and paste work. Uh, Don't ask me why. It's the classic Hildebrandt artwork. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's images, uh, pictures, photos of... Chewie and Han Solo and the X-wings. Okay, uh, yeah, then, pasted into that.
0: Right, that'll be on our on our show notes, and it really is quite remarkable because you have these this space battle above the the typical Luke and Leia image, and then you have Han and Chewie to the side. I mean, to me that makes more sense because it it brings you more into the movie. It's it's maybe yeah. less iconic but more uh, more evocative.
3: Exactly, yeah. I, I think uh, Swedish mo- movie po- posters has been. A great uh, a long tradition for always making their own posters.
0: And what what's I, I remember recently, you got some kind of Ewok poster. There's something you were very excited
3: about. It completed your yeah. run. What what was yeah. that again? It, it was yeah, the the Caravan of Courage. Right. <laughs> uh, in Swedish, it was Yeltana's uh, Caravan. <laughs> uh, and. It, it was only rumored to exist, uh, and uh, I found one. Uh, now there's like two or three known examples oh, okay. uh, of that poster. So I was, I was looking for one, almost for ten years. Wow, uh, ten years! Uh, so, so I began collecting Star Wars movie posters back in '99, before Episode One, uh, right. and uh, I started looking back then, and it wouldn't turn up until ten years later. Wow. And I haven't seen one since. So two or three known at the moment.
0: Wow, that's that's what I love about this hobby. You know, you get really, really, really excited about a caravan of courage poster.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I, I got it real cheap, and uh, I was I was thrilled. Right? Are, is there
0: are there a lot of Swedish collectors that are going after anything Swedish? Or
3: uh, the last years have become more and more are getting into it. Uh, I was among the first ones to, to, to begin with it many years ago, and uh, slowly uh, people begin to appreciate it and go after it. So I got quite competition the last year. Oh, okay, uh, that's good yeah. and bad, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, I love it. Uh, it. It's great. I've been collecting Swedish things for so long, so it's great to have some, some guys to talk about it with.
0: So so then beyond the uh, beyond the poster what else was there in the in the Star Wars era in Swedish
3: Almost nothing uh, a few collectible uh, uh what what's it called uh, cards there was a, one big company called mm-hmm. Nelba Nelba and uh, from uh, and uh, so 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 Tops uh, were uh, didn't release any cards in Sweden huh. so Nelba uh, got that license and and uh, back in 1977 they released Three or four uh, cards from uh, the Star Wars movie, uh, and it was released in sm- some uh, uh, packages with uh, music artists and and like huh. Bird Reynolds and uh, Abba
0: <laughs> and. Uh, so, so you'd buy but, the record and the and the cards would come with them.
3: Yeah, no, not the record. Uh, you oh, it'd be more- the cards.
0: Yeah, cards, exactly. Okay, so be, you get a Burt Reynolds card, and then the next
3: one would be Chewbacca, and then the next yeah, one, the next would, one be would be ABBA. <laughs> and the next one would be There
0: you go. That sounds like. And do, is it possible to get unopened packages of uh, of those?
3: Yeah. Actually, this weekend, I, uh, two weeks ago at the Swedish commission, I got uh, two unopened packages with uh, these very rare ones. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember yeah.
0: when you, uh, I think it was at Celebration 4, you
3: gave me the Chewbacca.
0: And, uh, exactly. Yeah, and really...
3: that's one of the first ones from '77 uh, or '78, I think.
0: Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's featured in the Swedish magazine. But it's it's nice because it's a big, as opposed to the tops cards. You know, the tops cards have the the border and the Star Wars is written really large on it, and the picture tends to be, I find, kind of dwarfed by the by the frame. Whereas yeah. in the Swedish, it's just a very simple white frame <clears throat> and then a very large image. So. Did, did very you,
3: IKEA-ish already. Then
1: very
0: so, IKEA, yeah. <laughs> Simple design, affordable. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> the the big collectible cards uh, mania was in eighty three, eighty four. Okay, where when Star Wars got their own series within Nelba, uh, the manufacturer, where where you can buy packages with only Star Wars motifs. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, so so. Eighty-three, eighty-four, eighty-five, eighty-six was huge, uh, with these cards and, and it feels like everyone had them.
0: Right. Yeah. It's similar with, uh, I have a lot of friends who don't who know I collect Star Wars, and I was like, hey, I got some Star Wars cards. They must be worth a lot. It's like, yeah.
3: Sorry, everybody really? has them. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to retire next year forever. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. With your, with your Nelba, Nelba earnings. With, with
3: the Nelba cards, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and then, as far as Empire, was there anything especially sweet? There seems to be almost nothing in, in either of these magazines that indicates that.
3: No, nothing at all. Uh, there, there was. I don't think Swedish, Sweden was had any merchandise movie merchandise at all. You couldn't find toys back in seventy eight seventy nine here in Sweden.
0: Right. Wow, they that's... got a
3: really bad agent who imported some, but but they failed completely. The toy shops didn't like them. The kids didn't <laughs> stand it. Uh, and then a, a completely new actor uh, took over the. Uh, the license and bought loads of of toys in '82, and that was when when it uh, really hit the market uh, big time.
0: And right, and that was the the playmix company.
3: Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So P- Playmix uh, took over in 1982. Uh, playmix sold two million figures. That's like wow, one one figure on every fourth inhabitant.
0: Right. And does that mean anything in Swedish, or is it just two English words put together?
3: Play, yeah, no, it's two English words put together. Okay. It all uh, sounds cool. English, international. Right. I don't know.
0: Because <laughs> it sounds, it sounds like it could be Swedish play mix, you know.
3: But uh... yeah.
0: <laughs> so they. The mix,
3: uh, the mix word is the same in Swedish as in English. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, play mix was was created by the. the quite a big company called Brio. Do you know, they made wooden... Oh, of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a subs, subsidiary for, for Brio. Okay. So they created this company to, to handle all the import toys. Toys that uh, weren't domestically made. So He-Man, uh, uh, My Little Pony, Action Force, Star Wars, okay. uh, all were under the umbrella play mix.
0: Okay, so even if they were from different properties abroad in Sweden, they were yeah, all in a Playmix. Yeah. And how can you tell a toy is a Playmix toy versus... You can't. you can't. You can't <laughs> tell a Playmix toy?
3: No, uh, not for Star Wars. Uh, you can tell by, by one thing. Playmix is like, they were really skates, and they bought sheep stock from all over Europe. Uh, from Palitoy, from Meccano, from uh, Spain PHP, from Kenner, of course, okay. and, uh, and and then sold that to, to the toy stores all over the country. And the only, so, so they didn't make any packaging of their own, uh, okay. which is sad uh, today, I think. But they did their own instructions. Uh, oh, really okay. bad uh, translations. Uh, oh, wow. I'd like to see those. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, Awesome! Yeah, uh, you ha- you can check them out at my uh, webshop page. Oh, okay. And, uh, they they made small small stickers with uh, which said that that the toy that the ship vehicles didn't contain uh, any figures at all. Right,
0: action figures sold separately. Exactly. That's yeah, one of our favorite things at the Kyiv cast is action figures sold separately.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and in oh. Sweden, it was. Uh, uh, doesn't contain uh, any figures, monsters, uh, animal <laughs> kind of thing. Very. It was very clear that nothing was included besides the vehicle. Right.
0: Oh, so, so that must be very frustrating for you as a Swedish collector when you can't even tell what is Swedish half the time.
3: Yeah. So, so it's uh, so for me, it's it's the cardback collecting is quite fun. Right. Uh, and i go after uh, old price stickers
0: and, and do you have a how what are you looking for as far as playmix you must have a near complete run of
3: i've got quite much there there's always new things coming up S- since they imported from all over the world uh, almost everything can turn up you never know right uh, there- you can't make a list uh, with, so I can't get a complete collection.
0: Right. Well, that's good. I think that for some collectors, yeah, that's bad. it's I,
3: fantastic. They're <laughs> fun.
0: The most famous thing. Whenever I hear Swedish Star Wars collectors, I always think of the of the soda, the Jedi lask. Did you want to talk <laughs> about or is it? How do you pronounce the umla? Lask, lisk, L- lisk, lisk. Okay. Jedi. Lisk. Jedi exactly. lisk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, how, so what, okay, so there's there's three there's three Jedi discs, right? There's three exactly. labels. What are the three
3: labels? And they are uh, oh uh, Luke, and Leia, okay. uh, Paplu, and Yoda.
0: So Luke, Leia, okay, major character. Yoda, yeah. major character. And then Paplu. <laughs> it... Yeah. Okay. An so
3: awesome character.
0: <laughs> yeah. How, how does? Because, you know I've been trying to figure out the questions to ask you and I'm what I'm really interested in with this this vintage world tour is how do the Star Wars collectibles reflect the country that they come from um, so I think you know we've learned a lot about Sweden from the fact for example that they wouldn't uh, dub anything they'd only use subtitles but yeah. it seems to me there's a, a there's an obsession with with ewoks in Sweden right you have Jedi the Jedi, yeah. the Jedi- you have the the caravan of courage, Holy Grail poster, and then there's yeah. you, who's perhaps the, the well, I'd say most definitely the highest profile Swedish collector with an amazing Ewok collection. So why do why do the Swedes love Ewoks? Uh,
3: I honestly don't know. Once again, <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, I don't love Ewoks. I just have to say <laughs> that people think I collect all kind of Ewok stuff. Right. Uh, I receive Ewok stuff from, from various <laughs> people. I really appreciate thanks to all, but I don't collect everything. Right. Uh, do, you, do
0: you collect poplu? Uh,
3: no. no. Uh, some pre-production items. Okay. Absolutely. But uh, that's it. Okay. Cause but I... The reason I, I'm, I'm quite sure is the Swedish television. The movies aired for the first time in 82, 83. It became a hit. Uh, by the time of Return of the Jedi, uh, and the, the children who, who uh, was part of this Star Wars madness madness was in in the Return of the Jedi era.
0: Right. So
3: I think that's why uh, most of the, the active collectors in Sweden are 30 years old. Right. Uh, was born in 77 uh, and. But by the time of uh, return, they were uh, well eight years old, nine, six years old. Right,
0: right. See, I, I was envisioning like maybe some kind of famous uh, children's story that exists in Sweden for thousands of years about teddy bears that come to life. Or I, I was, I was hoping for something really uh, mystical no. and, and historical. That that makes sense,
3: though. <laughs> and I, I think you imagine everyone lo- loves Ewoks because I collect Ewoks, and you know me quite well. That's so. true.
0: But also, yeah, was... uh,
3: I feel quite lonely at the <laughs> Swedish forums, uh, to be honest, and uh, far from everyone loves them, not me included.
0: A, a good question I have too: What did Jedi Lisk taste like?
3: Uh, horrible, probably. <laughs> but you've, uh,
0: you've never tasted it?
3: No, I well, I tasted similar ones, and I don't remember tasting Jedi Lysk. I probably did, uh, but I don't remember. It was loads of sugar and and uh, very bright colors, uh, and it was only to sell some sodas. Right. I spoke to the CEO for the company some some years ago, and it really? it was his children that demanded a Star Wars soda, <laughs> uh, and uh, spoiled little kids. They got the soda,
0: right? And I bet they loved Paplu. That that could be the answer. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, yeah.
3: great! That's a good story. I mean, to to think, you know, okay,
0: kids, I'll make you a soda, and then here we are today yeah. trying
3: to. It, it about... will cost me one million bucks, but of <laughs> course you're going to have some soda. It doesn't matter if they sell or not,
0: right? And are the, are those? I mean, what's what's really rare among the Swedish stuff? Is it, are, is Nelba particularly rare? Jederlusk is that rare? Yeah. I
3: mean, what... uh, the, the collector cards in in their original packaging is quite rare. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I miss one uh, brown package uh, and, um, and the Jedi-esque bottles uh, with the labels attached to to the balls in nice condition. They are really hard to find. Okay. So you
0: uh, sent me as an MP3 right before we recorded this, a amazing, an amazing uh, read along storybook. Uh, You sent me the MP4 of the Swedish version. And, uh, I'm going to play it. Uh, I'll insert the drop a little bit later. Is it
3: Help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, bara du kan rädda mig.
0: Help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ora du can rädda mig.
3: Help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, bara du kan rädda mig.
0: <laughs> how how, how is that Pretty good. It, it was perfect.
3: Perfect. Excellent. That was <laughs> perfect. It sounds exactly like a Swede.
0: Verk me, Obi Wan Kenobi, Ora du kan reda me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you might think that was Matthias talking if the sound quality weren't different. So, uh, <laughs> so I, what I like to, what I want to do is I want to figure out how to say "May the Force be with you" in every language. So let's just let's just hear it from you uh, in Swedish.
3: Yeah. Uh, here we go? May Kraften vara med dig.
0: Oh, Excellent! <laughs> you
3: sound like the, the the Swedish chef from Muppet Show. But...
0: <laughs> yes, I know. It's uh, it's really hard as an American not to have that prejudice of uh, of, <laughs> of seeing that. I totally and, and just to, out of personal curiosity, does that use the subjunctive? Is there a subjunctive in Swedish? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and does that use the subjunctive? Yeah. Yeah, good. That's. Uh, I'm a language teacher, so I always. Figure yes. out what something is, and then the only way to explain the subjunctive is "May the force be with you." And they go, "Oh, now I get it." That's
3: one thing that oh great that I have forgot to mention when you ask about the rare stuff. The the absolutely coolest and the rare stuff is besides some 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 lame evil posters is <laughs> uh, actually some uh, display uh, signs, uh, oh, so, okay. which Playmix made. Uh, those are probably the absolutely most rare ones.
0: So, uh, so d- describe this to me. So Playmix made them. Uh, assumedly, they yeah. made them for the stores.
3: 83, 84. Yeah. Okay,
0: so they're displays from 1984. And what do they look like?
3: They exist in... Uh, four exist-like action figures, large action figures, like uh, 50, 50 centimeters high. Uh, what's that, like uh, 20 inches? I'm not good at math. Yeah, uh, not a, 50
0: centimeters, yeah. I think, is... Forty-seven gallons. I'll have to check yeah. that.
3: Check that out. Yeah, but, uh... <laughs> check it out later and edit uh, this interview. Right. So just a couple of characters: uh, large size, uh, Darth Vader, uh, Shui, uh Luke, uh, Stormtrooper, wow. and then Millennium Falcon. And there's two logo uh, displays: uh, one for Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm and one for uh, power of the force and it's actually the only power of the force signs for all of the world uh wow. kenner never made one they huh. made a large bin uh but this is the only logo sign with the power of the force logo which is really cool
0: wow yeah because collectors love that logo and it's the very end of the line it's a little bit more rare uh just the it's figures very, in, in general exactly. Wow, do do you, do you have one of the uh, do you have one of the Power of the Force logo displays?
3: I have, I have one of the two known. Yeah. Wow, wow. That's so I'm. I'm uh, this is. That's probably my favorite collectible in my entire collection.
0: Both all of those are very specific to Sweden because I don't think any other country used the image of the toy to sell the toy. They they'd show an image from the movie or they'd show a drawing or uh, something, exactly. but not the actual toy. How would you describe the Swedish collector scene? How, is it uh, thriving? Is it you guys have a website, a collector club? How how is it?
3: Yeah, uh, we like six years ago or maybe even earlier. We we started a, a club uh, and a, a website, uh, which is the, the the most active part, and it's it's a forum only for for toy collectors. Uh, and we got, like, 250 members. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Wow, great. Well, I think uh, as far as the, the Swedish segment, unless there's anything else you want to say, I think uh, I can say talk and uh, talk to you later. Thanks again to Matthias for the interview. I, what I really like is how a country that you wouldn't associate necessarily with Star Wars figures, that doesn't have a big reputation, it still has a lot to learn about. And... Uh, I really appreciate his help on that. Uh, we're actually not going to do the $1 of Licks uh, section because, well, a lot of the news was about an auction and a lot of our debate will be centered around auctions. So we're just going to skip that section. I will say, for the future posterity's sake, that a 12-back Toll Toys sand person went for $3,000. <laughs> there you go. Interesting to us. So let's get to. The debate. The debate. D eight. I'm
1: not going to debate you, Jerry. I'm not going
0: to sit here
3: and debate. And I can't fight. Fight. What's a battle? And I can't fight. 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 What's a battle?
0: Yes, Ralph Wiggum. What is a battle? Well, a battle. If there's one thing that causes dissension, it is AFA, and in particular, it is the U grade. Well, let's get into what is a U-grade. You know, we're actually going to blow right through the vocab section too, Steve. I just realized that. Because all we're going to talk about right now is U-grade and AFA. So AFA is the grading service that takes Star Wars figures and puts them in acrylic boxes and gives them a grade. Okay, right. Simple enough.
2: Everyone knows that. But what is a U-grade, Steve? U-grade is the designation for uncirculated, which um, I guess, you know, there needs to be Never in the public sphere or on the marketplace, directly from the packages, right? Is that right? Yes.
0: Yeah, so it has to come directly out of a shipping case into your hands. Right. So that makes sense. Uncirculated. Okay, great. But there's a thing of uncirculated loose figures. Steve, what is an uncirculated loose figure?
2: Essentially, a figure that uh, is opened and sent directly to be encased and, and graded, Right.
0: Right, so they they, they take the toy that's been sitting in the package for 30 years, 25 years. They take it off of the package, and then they put it in plastic, and then they say it's never been circulated. First of all, economic impact, which before we can say whether it's good or bad, we have to get to. So as part of our uh, market watch here that we we didn't do, Steve will do some comparisons in AFA – U grades versus AFA normal loose figures.
2: First figure I was looking at was just a regular Star Wars Princess Leia from the original line, and um, they uh, there was an AFA U ninety up there with the buy now price of two hundred nineteen dollars. So I'm like, wow, interesting.
0: That pesos?
2: <laughs> you would think so. Two hundred nineteen dollars for a U ninety, right. right? And then the next thing <laughs> we had here was a U eighty five, which is from a different seller. This one actually was uh, in the UK, and it was it had a buy-it-now price of about $90. Oh, wow. Well. So you see a big jump. I didn't realize there would be that big of a jump between a 90 and an 85. Um, well, yeah. usually
0: what it is is because people collect one grade, and then they want to get to the next one. Mm. So they want to bump it up. Okay. And then, so when you get to that realm, it gets that much more rare. Right. And, and so then let's just go by logic here. So then if... Uh, u90 is 290 and then a u85 is 90 then just a regular loose example i imagine would be
2: what 50 well i i wouldn't really think so i <laughs> think <laughs> you can't really get around that um uh i mean i i found one here it was just you know, a pretty nice figure um and it had a buy now of 2350 so
0: so that's a, that's a pretty healthy markup. Yeah. But uh, let's see. I mean, I, I see you, you brought a list here. Yeah. Steve did a lot of prep I'd, for this. I did, yeah. He's uh, silent but dedicated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we got the, Boba Fett, uh, U90,
2: 187 bucks. And that one, the reserve wasn't met, but people had bid up to that. So we, uh, Right. And a loose example? 1750
0: right that 's even on the high
2: side, yeah, yeah, um a man a man <laughs> doo, 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 doo. sold for what <laughs> we got an U u eighty five that sold for one hundred and eighty five and a loose example it was actually it was in a baggie. the guy said that the tape had probably been open, but it looked fine, it looked in good condition that sold for sixty dollars
0: right so there's there's an economic impact here that you just cannot disagree, and this uh, we 're going to bring in our first uh, Voice from the Wampa Line. Very exciting. This comes from Tim Hopkins, who we appreciate calling in. He's actually the only person who ever sent a picture to me from the... Uh, I did a tour of uh, Cincinnati where I went to all the Kenner sites, and I said, take a picture under the Kenner sign and send it to me. Well, he's the only guy who ever did it. So, Tim, <laughs> I didn't forget that. I appreciate it. Thanks for being the second person to ever call into the the Wampa Line. So let's hear what he has to think about uh, the effect of money and uh, you, grading.
1: Hey, guys. This is Tim Hopkins from the Kentucky Star Wars Collectors Club. I'd like to chime in on the debate, D8, on the AFA-graded collectibles. I, you know, my opinion on it is there's two different types of collectors. One would be uh, collecting to collect, which is what I think most of us fall into. And the other one, you know, AFA sort of speaks to me as collects to resell. So, with you know, buying with the intention to resell.
2: So what do you what do you think? Do you agree with that, Steve? Um, I think you. It's difficult not to agree with that because on the AFA website itself, they state right there that the, one of the benefits of getting figures you graded or just graded in general is that it increases the resale value. So, right.
0: That that is part of it. I, to 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 play the uh, the weird devil guy and the Cantinas advocate. Um, what's that guy's name? Do you know. Devil guy. You know, the weird guy looks like Satan. That's oh, in the yeah. I don't know his name, but yeah, I, right. I know who you're talking about. We're too cool to know who his name is. If you do, <laughs> if you do know his name, uh eight seven seven seventy seven wampa So to play his advocate, uh, I can see the appeal why people might think it just looks cool. You know, and th- there is some kind of strange, obsessive pleasure I can understand people getting out of having a toy that's never been
2: played with. That's still loose, you know. It just—I don't know. I, to me, it, it's just—it's strange. I, everyone has their own personal taste, so I, I, I can see where you're coming from. But for me, I, I wouldn't—I wouldn't find it that interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: right. I mean, that—that's the thing. Is that it a lot of the argument with AFA is that people collect the label, right? And so what happens is they're not just collecting the label; they're collecting the uncirculated. Yeah. And a lot of people say, "Well, it's not really uncirculated. It's not like it's never been touched by human hands." I mean, some poor. You know, eight year old in Macau had to put it onto the card back at some point, so uh you know, not to get too political here. <laughs> but uh, but then there's the other aspect of U grading, and for that we're going to uh, to go to one of the comments on our blog post. The responder think vintage preservation, very evocative name, he goes a little bit further. He says, Steve, do you want to read this one? Or say, can sorry. you read that one? I'm not sure if I can. Or we start at the beginning here. Yeah, okay. he needs his night glasses. Yep, yep. <laughs>
2: I think the main issue is the responsibility that every collector has to the hobby. Just as, being, uh, just as being a human being on this planet involves a certain amount of respect for other people, the planet itself, and the potential future of both. Sing it! <laughs> <laughs> our hobby has always had a number of people who profited to some degree from the money that moves as we collect. Many of us collectors have even supported our own collecting this way. So it's very difficult to point a figure at someone who sets up a, collect- a collecting service that profits from the hobby. I believe that, uh, I believe that can be excused. But unlike modern collecting the Rebel and vintage, we are talking about a much more limited commodity of collectibles. Once you open a vintage, Minon card item, its uh, intrinsic value as a value of uh, factory-sealed collectibles lost forever. The problem is compounded by the fact that some collectors will send in many multiple-sealed items, having them all U-graded, in the hopes of getting uh, just one high-grade. This is something that should be carefully considered. There you go. Thank you, TVP. Uh, well... We'll, uh, not read the rest of it okay. because it wasn't on my uh <laughs> so I, I was I was misreading the teleprompter,
0: yeah, I'm missing the teleprompter <laughs> but uh and I think that's a good point that there's the idea that something's gone forever, and there are people who send in things like in order to get a uh uh eighty five death star droid, I think it takes a lot of work because it tends to scuff, so people just keep on sending it and sending it. I know I'm trying to put together a run of uh of cheap uh Empire Strikes Back carded figures, uh, 21 backs, and it's really hard to find them now because mm. people find the cheap, beat-up, ratty ones, and they say, oh, well, that's a great U-grade. Um, interestingly, there's uh, there's another, This has to be another, I think another Sweden, another Swedish guy here. We got two Swedish people on here. Awesome. <laughs> this is good because we just opened up our second uh, Akavit. Uh, I got Ostgota uh, Brandwein. I've, I've got the poorest brandwein Yeah. And if you're from Sweden, you've got to send Steve some more Porz Bronfine. I think he likes it. <laughs> so, Youthberg says that uh, opening a, say, quote, a carded DT figure might not be the best idea, whereas opening a 79 back 2 1B would be no biggie. So, this, again, there's a question of degrees here. Right. And what he makes reference to is the. DT figures, so the carded double-telescoping figures, but this podcast is going long enough, and we can't go into that. (laughs) But uh, we had to read him because he was Swedish. And then Bjorn, I'm just going to assume that he's Swedish, because you have to be Swedish. If you name Bjorn? Yeah, I think you have to be, right? Uh, So let's see here. So Bjorn seems to agree uh, that removing a very rare figure from a bubble is the wrong thing to do, but general figures is a different case. And finally, we just got the very last minute, Steve. I'm, I'm excited. We got just a new uh, voicemail on the Wampa line. Uh, Sweet, from someone who generally supports AFA and U grading, and that's the point of this: it's to show both sides of the argument. So let's hear what uh, will hopefully be the absolute voice, totally in favor of U grading. Here he
1: is, frat boy. Hello, Sky. it's Pete, frat boy 24 from RS Scumdalf. But just to let you know, I actually don't have a huge opinion on U grading. Um, I'm a huge AFA advocate. Um, if it's right, if it's the right time in your, um, you know, collecting years, I was not an AFA advocate up until probably three, four years ago when I started to finish off my collection. Um, but with the U grading, I do kind of side with everybody else on that, um, as I really do think that it's just an unfortunate and inappropriate use of, you know, the service of grading in general.
0: Huh? Well, I guess even the AFA guy isn't that crazy about U grading. I guess we'll have to expand our search, uh, looking for more people, more in favor of the U-grade. However, he does go on in his message, and he he raises a point for when it might be acceptable. So let's uh, go back
1: to Pete. Well, the only case where I've ever deviated from that is around mailers. And I mean, I think the simple fact is, you know, when you've got a six or seven pack mailers, I collect a lot of ROTJ stuff um, specifically. You just to get a much better visual element when you, you know, U-grade you those or, you know, take them out of the box. Now, I'm not a proponent of some, sending stuff in like that, but I have bought um, U-graded mailer boxes that have been graded in the past, just because of the basic fact, that in a lot of cases, you can get the U-grades at different times for cheaper than what the normal, just loose figures cost.
0: Hey, so so there's a good point for, for why U-grading might work. So he's saying if there's something in a box, you know, like we were talking about the mailers before, mm-hmm. it is true, you know, I have an emperor mailer and it's a white box and i show it to people and they say why do you have a white box and i say well that's the emperor and they go no that's a white box i'm like yeah but it's sealed I'm like no it's a white box so in a way it does display nice with the acrylic around it and it is sealed so i guess that's a an argument in favor of it but uh So let's let's do a summary. So then uh, this will be the kind of (laughs) quick,
3: what's a battle?
0: Ending, okay? (laughs) So, point four. AFAU grades display nicely. Not as nice as a carded figure. Well, you can't lose their guns.
2: You can't play with them either. AFAU grades maintain value. It's artificial value based on a stupid sticker. It preserves the figure very nicely. It's
0: destructive preservation. Oh! Ah, second round knockout. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to... You know, we're going to try and remain AFA neutral. It's interesting that even most AFA graders, uh... AFA fans can't stand behind the U-grade. Even the most, uh, nefarious of all U-graders, uh... Who does a lot of he takes a lot of things like rancor out of the box and Womp out of the box. Even he's eventually come around to being against the destruction of cards. As as a final note, um, just because it also will segue nicely into the feedback section, it comes from Chad on our uh, on our blog, and he says uh, three words very very eloquently: "You grading sucks." While I appreciate the Kivecast and what you guys are doing, this horse has been beaten to death. Clearly there are people that strive to get U-graded pieces. There really isn't much that can be done to make them see that U-grading is a destructive act. I don't see a lot of flip-flopping on this issue. Well, Chad, thank you for your support of the KyveCast. And I may agree with you on a personal level, but it does seem that people can change their mind on this. And maybe having a more constructive and open dialogue will help to make people see that perhaps it's not the best thing for the hobby in general. So that was the first... Debate D8. And now we're going to move on to the next debate subject for next week. The topic will be Vintage Star Wars Figures. Will they or will they not decline sharply in value within the next 15 years? Let us know your opinions. 1-877-77-WAMPA And up next is our We Really Do Care feature featuring your feedback. Someday
2: you call
0: The Kivecast, we really do we really care. Okay. Give us a call at 1 877 77 Wampa or email us at podcast at the SWCA.com.
2: That number again is 877 eight 777 seven seven. Seven.
0: So as I mentioned earlier, uh, Steve, I've been really pleased with the amount of feedback that we got uh, as far as emails directed to podcast at the swca.com. We had a lot of good feedback on the uh, official Star Wars blog, on our blog, and even a couple people called the Wampa Line. In fact, let's listen to the first call ever received on the Wampa Line. It comes to us from uh, who, Steve? We got Brent from Virginia.
1: Hey, guys, this is uh, Brent from Virginia. And I just wanted to say I really enjoyed uh, your first inaugural podcast. Um, it sounded wonderful. Um, really consistent, I thought, man. And it sounded great. And the, uh, your first show was awesome. And I look forward to the uh, upcoming podcast that you're going to do. Um, and thank you for, uh, for all your you know, hard work in this and uh, going into the future. And um, I'll be listening. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye.
0: Thanks, Brent. We uh, really do appreciate that kind of positive feedback. And uh, let's move on to the email section. Well, the first one comes to us from John in Japan, or Swiggy John, as he's known. Suggests that we should focus more on scams. What do you think of that, Steve? Scams, huh? Uh, that's definitely a,
2: <laughs> it's a hot issue, I guess. It's a hot
0: issue. The thing is, I don't want to like call people out. And have it be logged forever. So right. maybe we can talk about scams in general. You know, recarding yeah. at some point, not a not a bad idea. Um, Achim from Germany, uh, continuing on with uh, countries quite far away, says, "Greetings from Germany! Congratulations on the first issue of your podcast. It's quite interesting to learn more about our mutual hobby. I've been collecting Star Wars toys ever since I was a kid back in the seventies, and I still learn new things. There's much stuff that never made it into the European market, and so many obscure niche." Like proof cards, for example. See? He really did yeah, listen, yeah, Steve. He did. Which I didn't know anything about until a few years ago. So I just really like that. You know, he wrote in and, and he found it and hopefully it's going to help bring him and teach him new things. Uh, someone else named Andrew wrote in an email saying, I'll kind of paraphrase here a little bit because it's a, it's a long email, but it's nice. He says, I can't tell you how happy I am. You, dedicated a, uh, you decided to create a podcast about vintage Star Wars toys. When I was a kid, my parents had a small antique business and went around to numerous flea markets and antique shows. So he goes on to tell how he managed to find lots of uh, crazy – he said he immediately bought a Death Star droid, and that's kind of what sent him down the the road to where he is now. What's interesting, he he talks about when I graduated college, the prequels were coming out and I started collecting the new toys. He says he completely forgotten about his vintage collection until he got Sansweet's Star Wars One Thousand Collectibles only three weeks ago which I have a funny story about that book, which we'll get into later. And he's saying, I was suddenly thrown back, and I love the way he says this, into the world of low-articulated, one-accessory, lightsaber-up-the-arm toys. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Andrew, I think you uh, definitely earned a place here on the on the Kivecast. Uh, you definitely have a way with words. Since then, I've started scouring the internet for information about vintage collectibles. Your podcast seems to be well on its way to becoming a great source of information. So I, that's uh, very flattering and... That's encouraging, yeah. Yeah, what I want this to be is not really a place for information, but a a small, little, tiny uh, thumbnail on the archive uh, that helps to serve the archive's general purpose of spreading more information. And uh, he he goes on and he asks a question, and uh, I haven't actually told you about this. Steve. No, you haven't. Yet another surprise. Uh-oh. <laughs> And he sent in a picture, and he said, well, what is this? And we here at the KiveCast love these kinds of questions. And I didn't even know what it was either. We'll see if Steve knows what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a pop quiz, hotshot. Uh, let's see. Let's see if Steve can tell what this is. What, 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 what do you see here? This will be in the show notes. What's right in the middle there?
2: We got a Luke Bespin wearing blue. Yes, he's completely
0: <laughs> in blue. He appears to be wearing lipstick. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, and then right next to him is a very shaggy. Uh, is that a bl- bloody Chewbacca? <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's got blood coming from his mouth, and a bandolier strap, and a little tiny Yoda next to him, and it's a seems to be a pretty interesting line art from Empire Strikes Back, and it's got an Empire Strikes Back logo. I didn't know what it was. Do you have any guess what it is, Steve? I,
2: is it something that a kid would color in themselves? Or no? no, eh,
0: no wrong, speaking. wrong, no, wrong. The wrong. answer I'm is uh, it's actually. Let's see. It is a
2: centerpiece. Centerpiece.
0: Yeah, it's a table centerpiece. Oh whoa! So if you can actually look, it looks like the uh, oh there we go the um, the kind of platewares and plates and cups that came uh, at that era. How big uh, is that thing? I can't tell how big it is. <laughs> I don't have any pictures. I mean, I don't know how big it is, but it's a centerpiece. So Andrew, I hope that answers your question. It's uh, it was made by design uh, drawing board designware, and I think it's fairly rare. I mean, I. I want one now, having seen it, so I don't know how valuable it is. And uh, Anyway, so thank you for uh, emailing in and listening to the Kivecast, and keep on listening. Look around on the archive, uh, find your own nuggets, and uh, and hope to hear from you soon. On the actual blog itself, we uh, had several uh, several uh, comments. Let's see, uh, Mark Enright, a fellow member of the Vintage Collectors Club, uh, says it was very entertaining. He enjoyed the format. However, he was upset there was no hammerhead uh, on the. I mean, there's was no uh, walrus, oh, walrus man. man. Yeah, yeah. He collects walrus <laughs> man. There's no walrus man on the Kivecast logo. And, uh, <laughs> well, we just we're we're trying to avoid. Uh, we want our the only one armed figure to be uh, glorified. We want that to be the Wampa, of course. <laughs> uh, let's see a couple other. Uh, inter- you know, just uh, Eric Boggs has a great first show. Uh, he asks, "What's your opinion of modern Star Wars?" Um, I love it so. I'm not like most vintage people. I love the prequels. I love Clone Wars. I love modern toys. And I'm not afraid to say it. But most vintage collectors are a little bit more uh, yeah. cynical about <laughs> the franchise. Let's just put it this way. Um, Justin uh, La Salata, he notes that there should be a fourth area of collecting Star Wars, which should be displaying or preservation. That's a really good point, actually. Yes, yeah, so I was saying that there's three things. You know, there's buying... There's researching, and then there's um, the social aspect. But then there is really the displaying and preservation. And perhaps we'll go into that in, in future episodes, talking about the best way to display. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Steve still has never let me see his collection <laughs> because he's, he's afraid of his uh, – he's afraid I won't approve of his display or something. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Ara, uh, the foot doctor, uh, also – he asks, how do I have too much time on my hands? I can tell you, I'm finishing up my doctorate. I just got a job and I have two kids. I don't know how I have the, the time, but uh, I just love this hobby so much. And uh, all your feedback has been very appreciated. Even had three reviews on iTunes, Steve. Wow, iTunes reviews. I can yeah, that, that. I mean, that's like a real thing. So I love it if I ask people to subscribe if they could uh, and if you could leave a review, uh, even if it's slightly negative. You know you can. No, I actually don't. <laughs> Just say if you like it. But uh, let's see. Figure Guyvo is happy to see the archive on iTunes. Darth BW said great work, and ZX Spectrum said helpful and funny. Funny, funny. Ah, wow. so there you go. It's, uh, funny. <laughs> Do you have anything funny to say about that, Steve? Not really. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, a, I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing funny about the Andrews. So yeah, uh, I I think that's going to wrap it up. You know, keep on sending in the information, uh, let us know what you think about the debate. And uh one more kind of added note. If you're in California or if you're going to be in California on April 10th, uh that's going to be the date of the next uh, uh California Vintage Star Wars Collectors Club. That's a little club we put together and it's uh, we just get together and buy and sell toys and just kind of get together and Again, that third part of the hobby, the social part. if you're around, uh, you can email me at podcast at swca dot com or uh, just uh, call in and ask about it. yeah so, we definitely want to see you there if, if you want to be there yeah if you're, if you're anywhere near California on April 10th so excellent, Steve. I think this is uh, you know we're ironing out all the uh, all the trickiness and uh, This will be a 20 percent ladder podcast. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully you're not maxing out your, uh, your iPods. So uh, until next month, uh, this is Sky Payne uh, Same for uh, Silent But Danley, adios and Wampa Wampa. This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, Hasbro Toys, or 20th Century Fox. and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. The official Hasbro site can be found at www.hasbro.com. Star Wars all names and sounds of Star Wars characters and any other Star Wars collected items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or the respective copyright and trademark orders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Star Wars Collector's Archive, unless otherwise indicated.